You know, last week we discussed a scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 12 through 16, and I want to read it again. And I'm not going to be long this morning, but it's just been sticking with me. It really has. Last week, um, it's been really impactful. Last couple of weeks in my own life. It says here, I thank Paul speaking. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. That is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him to everlasting life. Last week, during the week before I preached last week, this scripture just arrested me. And it's one of those things that just these few verses that are just so huge and so impactful. And you know how Christ came into the world to save sinners. You know, that's why he came. He came to save sinners, not to come and tell the world they were bad or anything like that. He came to save a world that had already fallen. And Paul said that he came in to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul said that he was the number one sinner, that he was the top sinner. And he said in these three words why he was the top sinner. He was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. And so you, we have to realize that the apostle Paul was blaspheming the Lord. He was blaspheming Jesus. Now, he might have thought he was all right with the Father and, and, and that, but he was cursing and blaspheming the name of Jesus and the people that were following Jesus. I could only imagine what came out of his mouth, you know, you know, Jesus must have been from the devil and all this stuff because he truly believed this. He was a blasphemer and blasphemed the name of Jesus. It went on to say, he went on to say that he was a persecutor of the church. And we went through many scriptures last week and how it showed that Paul would get an order from the judge and he would go in and he would pull families from their house. Men, women, children, pull them from their families and put them into prison and even order them to death. It says that he was at the scene of the first martyr Stephen when they stoned him to death And all the people that stoned him to death laid their clothes at the feet of Paul. He was the one that was there giving the order for this thing to happen. So he said, I'm a blasphemer. I am a persecutor. And then it goes on to say, I'm an insolent man. And when I looked it up, what it meant in the original language, what it meant, it indicated a person who takes savage personal delight and malicious enjoyment in the afflictions inflicted upon another. So not only was he blaspheming the Lord, pulling people out of their house, persecuting them, getting them whipped, getting them stoned, getting them put into prison, getting them killed, he delighted in every moment. It says that he enjoyed. He was like, ha, ha, ha. And so when we think about that, we have to think about that. We have to think about Paul's attitude in that moment, that he was excited and as literally as blood was coming out of Stephen and they were throwing rocks at him and his head was being busted wide open. He wasn't like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. He was like, ha, ha, ha. And we need to see that. We really need to see it. We can't avoid this topic because it says that Jesus Christ used this as a pattern of long-suffering for all that would come to him. And what the scripture is about is that there is nothing too large for Jesus Christ to wait out for someone to come to him. Paul says, listen, I was like taking delight in killing Christians. And he says, this was done so that Jesus Christ could create a pattern of long-suffering for those who would believe on him to eternal life. So he said he was chief. He was chief. Now, Paul said that he did it in ignorance, but we looked at that last week as well. Most people do it in ignorance. You know, obviously, from him saying this, there's probably some that don't. 
what most people do. A matter of fact, Jesus on the cross said what? As they were crucifying him and killing him. Forgive them, Father. They what? They know not what they do. And so Paul said, for this reason, Christ showed all long suffering as a pattern for those who would believe on him to everlasting life. And I just love that. And so I spent a little more time this week looking at the word just long-suffering. And it's a Greek word that I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it right, but makrothymian, makrothymian. And it's two words, one meaning long, which makes sense, macro, and the other one meaning anger. And literally the word just means that it takes you extremely long to get angry. Extremely long to get angry about something. That you're a candle with a really long wick, a big candle. And that it just slowly, slowly, slowly burns. And so when Jesus, this pattern, even when Paul was killing Christians, you have to see what Jesus was like. He wasn't like, Father, let me at him. Let me sick the Holy Ghost at him. You know, just give me the moment so I can stop this. He was just without anger, slowly long-suffering, waiting for the moment so that Paul would come to him. And I just think, my goodness, the patience that I have for myself and the patience that I have for other people isn't even in the ballpark of this. My goodness, don't we want to write off people so quick? Don't we want to write off ourselves so quickly? And Paul says this is a pattern. Jesus made this pattern. Jesus is long-suffering, and this was the pattern. Paul was taking days and months of pulling people out of their houses, imprisoning them, putting them to death, and he says, listen, Jesus had all the patience in the world for this. And when you put that in perspective, that is the pattern for us to look at. Man, for our own lives and the people around us, we should have all the patience in the world for people around us if Jesus did for Paul in this scenario and told us that that should be the pattern. So I don't know about you, but long to anger. I don't know where you sit on that spectrum, but there's some days where I don't fit into that spectrum. There's some days I can go to zero and 100 in less than a second. (laughs) <laughs> right? But that we're supposed to be long to anger. We're not supposed to be so thin-skinned. We're not supposed to be quickly offended. We're not supposed to be quickly offended. And, and, you know, when people do stuff to us and they bug us or they're irritating to us, we're supposed to be extremely long when it comes to getting angry. It should be a very slow, 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 slow process. So when the Scripture said it might show forth his long-suffering... One scholar, theologian said this, that it means that it is the highest possible degree of forbearance in order that a case might never occur about which there would be any doubt. It was shown by his example that the Lord Jesus could invince any possible degree of patience and could have mercy on the greatest imaginable offender and gave us to have that pattern. That's hard. It is. That's why the disciples struggled with the forgiveness part as well. It's hard. He says we should have this real lengthy process of long suffering. And that shouldn't, there should be nothing too large that people have done. He gave that as a pattern for when we share the gospel, when we become the ambassadors for Christ, that that long suffering should be able to take place. So I looked at a couple scriptures last week, and I'm just going to throw them out quick because I don't have a lot of time today. But I have a couple of extra today. These were last week. Luke 6.36 says this. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Well, we saw the pattern of that, right? So he tells us that's how we're supposed to be. 
You know, and I find myself even preaching this, my head wants to talk myself out of pieces of this, doesn't it? I have a million reasons, and some of them probably are true, and some of them probably are scriptural, why we shouldn't maybe take part or hang out in certain environments or be around certain people. And there's lots of scripture to support that. But that shouldn't be our initial reaction. It should be our last reaction to protect us and our family. But we're very quick for it to be our first reaction to push people away when it should be the opposite. Ephesians 4.32 says this, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And that's so important. God in Christ forgave you. What did God in Christ forgive you of? Everything. There's nothing left on the table. Everything. And he says that we're supposed to be forgiving in that manner. Every time I read this stuff, I want to argue with God. I'm not kidding. It is so unnatural for us Because you know what happens? Right away, somebody pops up in our mind. It's like, not them. Right? (laughs) Right? But somebody pops up. And I'm not saying you should go back and be around them if it was very unhealthy and stuff. But it has to start with forgiveness. And the last thing should be to do away with them and have in our minds they can just go to hell then. Mark 5, 43 to 48. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good. Like this is scripture, folks. Bless those who curse you. So somebody comes after you. Somebody betrays you. Somebody says bad things about you. And God expects us to bless them. This ain't right. (laughs) That's what the flesh says, right? But the word and the spirit says, this is exactly right. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good. Okay, blessing's one thing. Bless bless them, Lord, then fine. Do good to those who hate you. This sounds like you got to, like, actually be purposeful about something. Are you kidding me? But it's true. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. And I'm telling you, if we want to see things and we want to go into, this world's in an absolute shakeup right now. And I guarantee you, there's places all over this world right now where God is dealing with his church. He promised that he would shake the church first. And getting back to what it is. And there's lots of pet, pet, you know, doctrines and stuff. There's lots of little pet things that we've kind of put this into a corner. And he's going to be bringing back out from the door and under the rug again. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. He's talking to people that they're being beat to an inch of their life by some of the authorities, and he's telling them to bless them, to do good, pray for them, that you may be sons of your Father, if you want to be like him, if you want to be like Jesus, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He's a good God. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's hard. And I know we use this, and we know these scriptures all the time, but it only takes us like five or ten minutes to like, kind of reconstruct those scriptures for our own lives. 
I'll be straight up honest with you. I spend, I don't know, my prayer life for my enemies? Like, let's be honest this morning. How much of your prayer life does that take up? And I'm not talking about kill them, God. (laughs) How much of your prayer life is based on your enemies? Because if we're praying for everybody, he says, listen, even the heathen do that. Even they do. What's the big deal if we're good to people that love us and are our buddies and in our families? He's saying, do it for your enemies. Do good for your enemies. Pray for them. Bless them. How much time do we spend? I don't want to calculate that up in my prayer life. I'll tell you that right now. But I'm being challenged to change that. Not saying I like it, but I'm being challenged to change it. Romans 12, 14. Let's just get these out. This is cool. This is hard, but it's good. Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. You know what? Curse does not mean to tell them to bleep bleep. Curse means to speak negative words over them. They're such idiots. I hate them. Man, I wish they'd get out of my life. All this stuff. Man, I wish bad stuff would happen. Man, they're so stupid. Man, this, that is cursing. God says you can't do that. Bless them. You know what I hate about this season of my life and love it at the same time? I'm having to look in the mirror so much these days. <laughs> like I have to point at me. You know what? I might not curse out my enemies, but I certainly have not been praying for them. First Peter 3.9. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, as a child, that you may inherit a blessing. Kingdom's different. So don't return evil for evil, not reviling for reviling, not I'll get you, not I'll get you back. There's some things that I've done lately, didn't do them, thought them, that I read the scripture and I'm like, I can't do that now. <laughs> Let's just be honest, right? I'm just being honest. Luke 6, 27, 28, there we are. But I say to you who hear, to you who hear, that means who the Spirit of God is speaking to, who's hearing the words of God. Not those who don't want to hear, to those who hear. Love your enemies. Are you kidding me? We went from blessed to do good, love. And we read all the love stuff, long-suffering, all that kind of stuff, right? We're supposed to love our enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Romans 12, 17 through 21. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself but rather give place to wrath. Don't avenge yourself. You need to give place to wrath, which means you put, you do not, doesn't mean give place, make place for it, out of wrath. For it is written, and now you've got to watch this. People like to twist the scripture, but I had to like research this thing out because people, I myself likes to twist the scripture. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. So God says, listen, vengeance is mine. And we like to stop there. Oh yeah, I'm going to leave it to God and God's going to smack him. But no, he goes on to say, therefore, if your enemy's hungry, this is how I'm going to repay him. If your enemy, this is how I'm going to take vengeance on him. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Where are we? What scripture? Okay, one more verse. 
Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. So just leave that up. So he says, vengeance is mine. Feed them if they're hungry. Do this, do that. In doing so, you'll heap coals of fire on their head. And us in English and all that in this area, we just want to think, yes, if we do this, fiery hot coals are going to go on their head. It's going to burn them half to death and God's going to kill them. Well, when you research this, all it means is that they will come under shame and condemnation and realize, come to a realization what they've done is wrong. Now they have two, like you research this out like I have. They have the two options at that point and not everybody resp- responds good. Some people do, they turn to God, they, they remorse. Some don't, they go the other way and even want to be, be worse to you when you're good. But our job, our job is to repay good, overcome evil with good. That's our job is to pay good to evil. When evil's done to us, we pay good in response. We overcome the evil with good. And the coals on their head, yeah. Like if you're mad, you're thinking this guy's head's burning up and he's dying. But what God is saying, listen, it's going to bring such conviction and shame that he's going to assess the situation. Assess the situation. Romans 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are to judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. That's what we were talking about the other day. When we get in the law, the law comes back to us. You who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge, who practice such things, and doing the same, that you will escape escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? So we've been discussing his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering. How long he is. It's a pattern. He says, do you despise this by not doing it yourself? Knowing this whole coal thing that we're talking about that's not, not, not to burn somebody and wipe them off the earth. Knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So what's God after? Is, he, is his vengeance after this person being mean to us that we let God loose on them and they can destroy this person? No. What's he after? What does he want? What is his true? What does he truly want? He wants them. He wants them. You see, vengeance is coming. We know that. We know that from the book, the spirit of the Lord is upon us. You know, when Jesus stepped up to the book, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bind up the broken heart, set at liberty of those who are bound, all these great things. And then the scripture says he closed the scripture. The next thing he was about to read is, and the vengeance of our God. But he closed the book. Now that next page is coming. But we're living in the time of the grace period where the ambassadors of God, us, are on the earth repaying evil for good so that they will turn, so that they will come to repentance because the goodness of God will bring a man to repentance. Why? Because vengeance is coming. And so what God is saying here, like he is in Corinthians, he's saying he's pleading with us to tell people how good and how long-suffering he is so that all can come to the knowledge of God. Why? Because the page is going to turn. And I don't know where you guys are about the ends of times. I'm hearing a lot of this right now and all this stuff and chips and all this kind of stuff and implants and vaccines and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of people think she's about to come to an end. Well, you know what, whether it is or it isn't, I'm sure the people in World War II thought that as well. But you know what, we're here today and people are thinking it is now. But then if it's so, if you're one of those people that thinks it's about to end, there is so many scripture that says we should be doing this even more as we see the day approaching. Right? More long-suffering, more repaying good for evil, more grace. We shouldn't be hardening up going, you know what, it's going to end and God's going to wipe these suckers off the earth. We should be even doing more as we see the day approaching, trying to rescue in those that are lost. 
I have been so convicted over the last few weeks. It's like the coals are on my head. He is so long-suffering and so wonderful and so beautiful. Let us not forget what he did in our lives. It's for everybody else. You know, I read, I happened to read yours this morning, Proverbs 15.1, and it's about a, uh, a kind word turns away wrath. And it was just lined up this morning for me, just everything we we're talking about. A kind word. A harsh word kindles a fire, and a kind word turns away wrath, puts it out. Even more as we see the day approaching. Father God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I know, God, you're trying to take us to a place of more than that, more of your presence, more of your power, more of your grace, more of your healing, more of everything. And God, I know that's why these things are coming down to the core of the gospel. God, help us to submit to that core. Help us, God, to see things as you would see them. Help us to to understand long-suffering, God. Help us to see as you would see. Help us to see and know that that it's not three and four months, that the, the harvest is already white for the taking. God, help us to have your heart. Help us to repay evil with good. Help us to pray for our enemies. Help us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.